Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige DeMarcos, Jake Darian, Jamie Eisner, and it is a post-opt-out podcast, right? So we waited until the opt-out deadline, which was 1 o'clock Pacific time. We wanted to get into the latest news, if there was anything, because this is the running joke on this podcast. We end up recording, and then right afterwards is always breaking news. So we wanted to avoid that, uh, waited till about 1.30 Pacific time to record this part of the podcast. You're also going to get an excellent interview with Will Compton, uh, NFL linebacker, podcast host for Bustin' with the Boys. He was better than I expected. I was so excited to have him on. He's a, a Husker alumni. He jokes at the front of the podcast that I was the tomboy that wanted to play video games, and I'm sure that will surprise absolutely nobody that hears this wasn't podcast. Joking. No, he wasn't. He wasn't joking. We were was one of my first friends in college, and we played a lot of Super Mario. So it was uh, very impressive, dude, man. I was I, I loved a lot of what he had to say. There's a couple things in there that everybody should really listen to. I'm talking about a guy that not necessarily overachiever because he's a talented dude, but like the extra stuff he did to set himself apart. I, I just love that. That there's a couple minute segment in there that's just awesome. Yeah, he really breaks down um, all of the things that he did to get himself to this position, uh, including, you know, a very, very successful podcast while also playing football. Um, very impressive to hear and, and quite frankly, inspirational um, how, how much competitiveness he puts into every aspect of his life, not just football. So I, I really enjoyed that interview. So you guys are going to get to listen to that today, too. But want to start off with a couple of pieces of news um, and, and overall fantasy impact. So Jamie, with Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns opting out, what does that look like for Mike Giusecki when you start to look at your rankings and as we're heading into the season where a lot of people are starting to draft now, now's a good time to start really evaluating where you have your players rated. Yeah, I originally had him as my tight end 13, and I don't know if I'm necessarily going to move him up, but I'd probably move him up into that tier that we talked about on the tight end show that includes, you know, the Hayden Hurst, the Austin Hoopers, the Rob Gronkowskis of the world. I'm really intrigued to see this because with Albert Wilson in particular opting out, that, that's their top slot option. And Mike Giusecki is best used, as Jake pointed out on that tight end show, as that big slot receiver. And that is where he's had his most success last season when they kind of used him in that role. And, oh, by the way, that's a role Chan Gailey, the new offensive coordinator there, has used successfully with other big receivers and big tight ends. So now I'm really impressed. You, 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 put the, you take the combination of there are two less options for Fitzpatrick to go to, that Fitzpatrick loves to target slot receivers in general, and the fact that Chad Gailey has had, and Mike Giusecki have both had success with players like him in that role. I put all those things together, and I'm now very intrigued by him as a guy that if you're kind of waiting on tight end, you're not targeting the top guys, you're not targeting that middle tier, I might just wait a long time and try to add Mike Giusecki toward the end of my draft and say, you know what, I think he has the potential to pop on a team that's going to throw the ball often because while we like what they've done so far, there's still a ways to go between where they are now and being truly competitive for a playoff spot. They're going to be throwing a lot when they're down late in games. Yeah, Jamie hit the nail on the head. I did a bunch of mocks the other day before my mock that comes out tomorrow. Uh, and I was getting him late. 
and that's before we saw the Albert Wilson news. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, Brian Flores told us he's going to play in the slot, and everything he's told us has happened so far. This dude hasn't held a, held a whole lot close to the vest. Uh, mm-hmm. I love him there. He's a, he's a receiver. He's not an inline blocker. He fits perfect, uh, and he should have some chemistry with, with Fitz. I mean, they played last year. He had some success. Those other guys out, Devontae Parker turned into a stud. He's going to get doubled. And if their offensive line doesn't play well, guys, where are you going to go? You're going to throw it to the slot guy. So I, yeah. I think he's going to get a bunch of targets. He's more of a receiver with a tight end de- designation, which helps you tremendously. But where I was getting him was like 13th, 14th round, 12th. If you, you know, he was sitting there as like one of the top guys, but he wasn't going. And I'd take somebody else to see if it would go. And I mean, we're talking about eight or 10 mocks I did, and he was there in all of them late. So I, it was that. And even if it's just a bench spot, say you, you took one of those other guys, Evan Ingram or somebody early, that gets hurt all the time. It's a great feeling. If you're going to have, you know, if you're going to have depth in two tight ends, he's an awesome second one to have. Yeah, no, it seems like a very good option for you. And, and like we've talked about in our earlier podcasts, there's a lot of fantasy value on these teams that are not going to be top of their divisions, but you still need to take a look at that. And they, te- and they tend to be the places where you can get more value because people overlook the teams where there isn't as much star power, where the expectations aren't as great. And this is a perfect example of that. Uh, other thing we wanted to get into is this morning there's a report around the Seahawks exploring options with these three defensive stars, superstars, were superstars kind of all put them in that category clay matthews i think would be borderline on his way out of that that category but all guys that will impact the defense that we've been quite frankly very critical of um just as they have that talent on that roster has not turned over as quickly as it needed to with russell wilson and obviously with the addition of jamal adams that adds a lot to that team but they're still in need of more and the the names that they're looking at right now is Jadavian Clowney, who was obviously there last year, Everson Griffin, and Clay Matthews. They obviously need pass rush guys. We've talked about this at nauseum on this podcast. So, Jake, if you could pick any of the three guys, the best case scenario for Seattle is they get who? I'd have to really familiarize myself with their cap situation, but I'd say Everson Griffin is going to be by far the best bang for your buck. They play a traditional 4-3. He can play that 4-3 end. He played that in Minnesota for a long time. He can move inside like Bennett did for a while and move around a little bit. Uh, he's not going to be anywhere near. Javion Clowney, we keep hearing $20 million. Yeah, no. There's a reason you don't have a job right now, dude. You're going to have to lower that. Like, to me, Everson Griffin makes by far the most sense. Clay Matthews is on his way out. I don't know that he helps that much. If I was them, I'd go with a younger guy that's going to be a lot cheaper than Clay and let him develop in that defense. If I'm the GM and we've already seen Snyder has no problem making moves and doing out-of-the-box stuff, I'd move somebody and try to get Clowney and Griffin. Now we're talking about this roster is completely different because one of the things on this defense is that defensive line got eaten up. The pass rush wasn't great. Even with Clowney last year, he was okay at times. He played really well, but he didn't get a lot of sacks. He had some hurries, but he was the only guy. You put those two dudes next to a young guy, a tackle that's playing really well, when you have K.J. Wright, Bobby Wagner, Bruce Irvin on the other side, now you got one of the most feared defensive lines in the league. I don't know if they have the cap space to pull that off, but those guys are sitting out there, and Everson Griffin's played a long time. You might want to take a little less to go. If you said, hey, we're still talking to Clowney, we're pairing you guys up. Wow. Now, now we'd have, I, I would completely change my tune of how I'm looking at this defense if that's the case. But if I had to pick one, I'd go with Griffin because I think he's going to be the best bang for your buck with their cap situation. 
Yeah, I agree as well. And it's a, it's a little bit of a mystery to me why Everson Griffin's still kind of hanging out there at this point of the year. I think we know why Clowney is, even though it's, it's getting to the point where it's a little weird. Uh, but if he's still clinging to that $20 million or anywhere near that, now we understand why. Uh, he realizes Griffin, if nobody signs him, he gets zero, right? Yeah. Like, teams are so, in camp at this point. Like, I hope yeah. he realizes that. I mean, yeah. I'm not real sure how this is going to go. Yeah, Jadavion, it's, it's such a weird player because I think the way people think about him is not the way he plays, but the way he plays isn't what he thinks he's worth. Like, it, it's, it's a whole weird concoction there of the Jadavion Clowney thing. And, and I, I do wonder – no, no, like I said, that, that, that would have been a hot take. Never mind. But Everson no, Griffin say would have, it, no. Jamie. Say it. Say it. Say it. I'm not saying he's not a great player. I'm just saying, would we think about him differently if we didn't have the highlight of just murdering a running back in college? He's not a consistently great player. Not even close. We think You're exactly right. Say it. Would yes. we think differently? Would we, yes. I'm, just, I'm not saying we wouldn't have gone high in the draft. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm he shouldn't have been one. Merrill, no, Hodge, Merrill Hodge was dead on. He said Khalil Mack's the best player in this draft, and that's before he was Khalil Mack. He was just coming out of Buffalo, Khalil Mack. But he went to Buffalo. That's why he wasn't going <laughs> But Jadavian Clowney is great in spurts. He's not consistently great. He doesn't play every play. He never has, and he has an injury history. $20 million is insane. Go play good on a good team. You're exactly right. Just throw it out there. He's a pass for he's a pass rusher that's not an elite pass rusher. Like, it's just, it's, you know, he, it's, it's weird because he's, he's an extremely overrated pass rusher and an underrated run stuffer. But, like, that's not the position that you would pay him for. Like, that's not what you're paying $20 yeah. million dollars for. It, it, he's, a, he's a fascinating player. But uh, he would obviously help Seattle, like, in a vacuum. If we're, just, if we're just putting players that help Seattle, he would clearly help that defense that has, I mean, negative pass rush at, at this point. where they, they, are, they are truly relying on either. They don't really scheme up pressure either. Like, I, I, just, I think there's putting a lot of pressure on a secondary that is that is good at times, but isn't exactly a ball hawking secondary like it used to be. I mean, you can yeah. read the article that uh, Ben Solak Ben Solak wrote today about Shaquille Griffin about how you know how he's a very good player, but those interceptions haven't come. He hasn't turned the ball over a lot. And and yes, not passes deflected and all that other stuff. That's important, but the single most important thing you can do on a given play on defense is turn the ball over. And then it's not something that they do very well. But they could probably do it better if they generated more of a pass rush. But to me, if I, any of those guys would help them on a certain level, but I think Everson Griffin, like Jason, on a dollar-per-dollar dollar basis would be the better signing. I'll tell you what, though. You put them next to each other, if there's oh, a yeah. way for that to happen with Bruce Irvin, I can't remember the name of their young tackle that played so well last year. Uh, now you're talking about with that linebacking core and you have Jamal Adams in the back and you have Shaquille Griffin who's mm -hmm. played well. I mean, Okay, now we're talking about a different defense. Right now they have zero pass rush, as you just said. Yeah. They, they got to do something. I think they need more than one. I mean, Everson Griffin and Bruce Irvin would be nice. Yeah. Jadavian and Bruce Irvin would be nice. They're better than what they had. But if you could figure out some way to get them both, wow. Listen, you, listen you're in that division, right? You know you're looking around and you're going, okay, like you have to be practical with this window of time with Russell Wilson to go and try and go get another Super Bowl. I think that's that. I mean, the expectation when you have Russell Wilson every year is not to win the division. The expectation is to go win a Super Bowl because you've already been there twice and won one. And, and so that, that creates this environment of like, hey, we're looking for you guys to take that next step forward. You were really close to winning that division last year. But I don't think any of us, as much as as, as high as I was on that team, I don't think anybody thinks that team was in a position, especially with where their roster was, to win a Super Bowl. I just – I can't imagine that they would have won – gone through the NFC and beaten the Chiefs. I just – as much as I love Russell Wilson, I don't think that that would have been possible. And a large part of it is their – we've talked about their roster. It's got a lot of issues. So it's – I think they need to do a lot to get to that point where 
the Legion of Boom hasn't been the Legion of Boom for quite some time. So if they get two guys, all of a sudden we'd be looking at this defense in a much in a much different fashion. Yeah, look, they, they have about seventeen million dollars in cash space right now. Okay. Um, they could they could easily make some maneuvers to get to closer to twenty, um, but and maybe even a little bit above that. But I'm also interested to see how many teams. One, obviously, you want to give yourself a little wiggle room in case of injuries, I think, particularly this year. But you also want to give yourself some wiggle room for rollover cap. And I think that's, that's being a factor for a lot of these teams that are like the Philadelphia's of the world uh, that are in real big trouble right now in the future because of a flat cap that they're considering as well, which is why the Eagles haven't – I know everyone keeps claiming for the Eagles to do more, but like there's a reason why they're not because they're trying to figure out how they can keep this team together for more than one year. Uh, Seattle's going to be in that case a little bit as well because they don't really have a lot of cut candidates coming up next year either, unless they're going to move on from Dwayne Brown, which I don't think we're going to. You don't want to make an, an area that's you're already kind of weakened even weaker. But they got to add something. Uh, you know, you, you when you make the trade, we talked about this with Houston. We talked about this with the Rams, and even though it didn't work out, the trade you make for Jamal Adams and that the the price you gave up necessitates you having to take riskier moves. Because you, you already took the big risk you move by giving up your future to grab this player. You still have to resign him, by the way. Uh, and then all, all of that, you have to kind of make these moves. And still, at this point, I think they are a playoff team, but the second best team in their division. And I, I, to me, there's no team in the NFL right now that I would say has a good, there's a chance, but not have a good chance to win three road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. I just, I just don't think that's going to happen. Winning the division for them is going – like it was last year, falling one and a half feet short. Yeah. It's probably the difference between them being a Super Bowl contender at the end of the day and being a team that maybe wins a playoff game and is out on divisional weekend. Now, I don't think the Seahawks is currently constructed already a Super Bowl contender because I think they have a lot of holes, and I would much rather have uh, San Francisco and Kansas City and, you know, even – I know we talked about them on the last show, but even like the Baltimores, even Pittsburghs of the world. I think those are all teams that are one more qualified than Seattle right now. But if they were to put things together, maybe go on a run, but none of that's going to matter if they have to play three road games. Like, I think that's too tall of a task to ask for them. You know, if, with, if they can get to 20, 21 million, it's doable. I think you, know, you could do a, a, a veteran incentive laden deal for Griffin where you give him four and a half million with a chance to make seven. Yeah. And if you could get Clowney for the franchise tag ish at 14, three, if it goes defensive end, it's a little bit higher, but if you can get him at 15 with a chance to make 17, you could give them a bonus, which you could prorate that. I mean, you could get a, you could, you could make it work with 2021. And I don't know who they'd have to cut to do that, but to me, it'd be well worth it. Because, I mean, not that this player's ever worked out, but Ezekiel Ansah is either about to sign or has signed in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. If he's ever healthy, he's another freak. It's going to be a total backup. But that's another massive pass rusher that can, that's going to come in and, and spell those guys that you're not missing a lot athletically. It's just he's got to stay healthy. And you're falling way behind if you only get one of these guys. If you don't get any of them, man, I, I have no faith in that defense doing anything. They can get them both. I will turn my uh, my attention directly towards Seattle. Yeah, I think, Jamie, you brought up the, the best point is, is that when we talked about what the Rams did, right, and pushing the chips in, that's a lot of what this Jamal Adams trade is, right? You're trading away a lot of future assets because you have Russell Wilson. And while – I was really critical of what the Rams did because of the timing and quite frankly, because of the quarterback that I don't have the faith can be that guy. I feel the exact opposite with Russell Wilson, where I do have the faith in the quarterback and I do have the faith that that can be the type of thing that can happen for this team. And so if you're going to do that, if you're going to push your chips into the middle, which is what you're doing, 
you might as well just push them all in because you better go, if you're going to go in, you better go all in. Don't put your, don't put your foot halfway in the water and just try and dip it in there. Like if you're going to go, you got to go all the way. And I think you put yourself in a really, really good spot if you go all in with Russell Wilson. Cause yeah, if there's- You end up with some dead money here with this deal. If you get them both, if you got a couple years of, you know, a few million dead money, if you got to pay you- a bonus that, that counts later, do it. Get to get yeah. those two guys. Yeah. I mean, look, on his own, we just talked about Clowney. He could flash like the greatest player ever. But you put him next to a guy like Everson Griffin. It's a huge difference. Or on the opposite side, and you move him around. And now you bring Bruce Irvin in. You could put three of them and go like, you know, some people call it Ferrari package or whatever, and you have one tackle and two ends and two outs. Now you're talking about who you're doubling. Yeah. Now you have a nightmare on your hands as an offensive line, which they need in that division. Yes. Go all in. I agree with you, Paige. Shove all the chips in. If you're paying dead money for a couple years, whatever, you're going to be screwed here. You're going to have to pay the Piper soon anyway because you're going to have to pay Jamal Adams who just gave up a King's Ransom to get him. You you go all in and you go get go put yourself in the best position to win a Super Bowl because at the end of the day that's what that move's about putting yourself in the position that you think that you're in and guess what with Russell Wilson you're in every conversation because he's that elite that he puts you in that category but when we've seen that happen what do they have they need a better defense we know that we've talked about it at nauseum that that I'll team needs from, better I'll go from zero percent chance right now to I'll give them a pretty decent chance if they added those two players oh yeah i mean i yeah i'll put them in the category that we're talking about teams that can do it right now i don't think they can do it because they have a talented secondary but they don't have a talented secondary that can just it, it's not the legion of boom like they, they need their help they need that pass rush to get at least some pressure like even it, the legion of boom to, had a pass rush i don't care who yeah. the second you could have Deion sanders times four if you can't <laughs> rush the passer they're gonna throw on you yeah yeah period but and I think, but I think that with that, if they're not going to get elite pressure, but if they were to get, let's say, they get Griffin and they get Clowney and they have Bruce Irvin there and Puna Ford takes a step forward, you know, Puna the middle of the line, and like you put all that stuff together there, now all of a sudden that just becomes really, really interesting because you have Jamal Adams that's going to blitz on certain packages, you have, and they have all of these pieces they have there, Flowers and Griffin, they have some really good young pieces that do really well, but they've been put in tough situations more often than not because quarterbacks in clean pockets are going to pick you apart, period, end of story. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, maybe that's an oversimplification, but it's true. No. By the way, it's not just rushing the passer because you just talked about Clowney being a really good run stopper. You put him yeah. with Everson Griffin, you just helped your run game too because you could do both on him last year. You could run it on him. You could throw it on him. They couldn't really stop anybody. Russell would just outscore you. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that to me, poof, man, that would be – you just got to get your you, you got to get your defense in a position to be top half of the league. You have to be. You have to be in the top half, and and you know your offense is going to be in a position to be in the top five. They're gonna they're gonna put up unbelievable numbers, and Russell's going to do his thing, and you know that. But your defense cannot be a liability. You have to be able to trust that defense, especially in that division. You're going up against explosive offenses and you have to be able to with the exception of even Jimmy Garoppolo we wouldn't put in that category the way that Shanahan dials everything up that offense is so complex and they're doing so much and they're changing constantly and and you have to be prepared for that and Seattle's just got to take that step forward so that's why I wanted to talk about this because now we've spent like 10 minutes on this I I knew it would spark a great conversation The last point I want to make, and, and we talk about the, the biggest differences between the Niners and the and Seattle, aside from the quarterback position, the battle in the trenches is owned 
by the Niners on both yep. sides of the ball. Absolutely owned right now. And to me, that is that is that might even be a bigger di- now. Obviously, there's a huge difference between the quarterbacks, in my opinion. But that might be an even bigger difference in terms of win and losses in one season between those two teams, and even the quarterback situation right now. Yeah, I mean, I I, tr- I I truly believe that. So, uh, right, anything that they can do to improve those two areas of their game, which again, this is a rare time where you're sitting here in August and you can you can add a significant, exactly. not just like a hopeful piece of oh, this is a veteran that that had a game three years ago, maybe. No, no, you're adding. You can add a significant piece to that defensive line and pass rush right now. I think you got to try to do it because otherwise, what do you? You didn't make the Jamal Adams trade to go ten and six and be the top wild card team. Like I can't, that's not what you were doing here. No, nope, that's what I said. You're gonna put the chips in. You're gonna put them all in. Otherwise, it's a waste. You wasted the. You wasted fifty percent of the chips going in on Jamal Adams unless you're not gonna try and go all in here because what you did is great, but it's not enough to put you over the top of where that Niners team is. And oh, by the way, you've got a Rams team and a, a, a surging Arizona Cardinals team that you got to worry about too. And a lot of good teams in the NFC in general, just to get yourself in a position to be in a Super Bowl category. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to keep watching. I think Jamie, you brought up the best point. You're, you're in August and you have this in front of you. Take advantage of it. We're not, you're probably not going to get this uh, again. Last thing here, guys, we've had quite a few top, top level prospects, collegiate athletes, opting out and choosing to enter the 2021 draft already, putting their names in. Um, Three guys specifically, the draft network put out, our scouting team did an excellent job all summer long, battling with each other, watching the film, going over everything to make sure that we had these top 400 plus prospects. And in our top 10, three of the guys that have come out are in that top 10. That's Caleb Farley, from Virginia Tech, Gregory Rousseau from Miami, and Micah Parsons, who was our third overall rated guy out of Penn State. Big, big time athletes, including um, I, I can't for the what the running back or wide receiver from um, from Minnesota came Bateman. out as well from Bateman, and we've got other guys that are projected potentially to also they're they're all kind of like watching to see what happens with college football and and make decisions here. So. I don't want to talk about the college football season because this is an NFL podcast. But what I do want to talk about is how this is going to impact these individual players for the NFL draft, because it's obviously such a big focus for us. And, and Jake, I want you to talk about it first, because those three guys that I just named, they're all different in what their evaluations are. They're all in the top 10. But if you ask the scouting staff to tell you their confidence level in who, who needs another season to prove it, one of those guys is Rousseau, who's really only had one season of great film. And is that enough for an NFL team to look at and go, yes, we're going to buy into him? Absolutely. It depends on how consistent that film was. If it was Jadavion Clowney, we just talked about splashing here and there. You see the potential. You would have loved to have seen two years of that and the second year become a more consistent player. They all have the size. They all have the speed. They all have the measurables. None of that's going to change. The only thing they're really doing is staying healthy, Right. They're not playing games where they could blow out a knee, uh, have a Smith injury from Notre Dame in his bowl game that Dallas has. Um, I mean, that he had dropped foot for two years. The fact that that dude's playing again, has a big contract is just amazing, but they're all taking that off out of the equation. You've seen a lot of these guys start skipping bowl games to go to the NFL. They're not guys that are worried about getting their degrees. Like none of them are graduating in two and a half years and then leaving. This is all about health. None of them are getting better by going to EOS or any of this stuff in the off season that they're just staying healthy. And yes, I think all of them have plenty of tape. 
Rousseau is the one guy that one year, and I haven't watched enough of it, if it's consistent enough week to week or they saw progression through the 11, 12, 13 games, then, yeah, I think it's plenty. Jamie? Yeah, it, it's, it's a fascinating thing because, like, I don't know what this new trend of college football is going to be. But you start to look back at what happened with, like, Jadavion Clowney. You look back at what happened with uh, Nick Bosa. And you start to kind of see there's a, a, a little bit of a trend that is happening with elite – as we were talking about before, typically elite pass rushers are, are kind of where we see that, or at least what we think are elite pass rushers coming out of college. Um, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see if this – this year is obviously going to be way different than the other year, but trying to see – if these players still go high, and even though this is an atypical year, and we won't really know what happens because we always think we know, and then we don't really know until we get into actually the picture actually made in April. If some of these guys at the very tippy top aren't adversely affected, let's say there is a college football season, and you know we, we already heard other ties at the top like Marvin Wilson are going to play and, uh, and those players, and we don't really see a significant draft difference between them, I start to wonder how often we might see guys redshirt their final year their final year before they're eligible in college. All again, these would have to be no doubt first rounders because that is a risk you cannot take at other spots. And I'm not sure it's a risk you could take depending on what type of player you are. Like we haven't seen an opt out yet and we haven't seen a sit out season yet from a top quarterback, for an example, which I think would you completely won't. change the game. You I won't. don't think it's going to happen, but it would completely change the game if it happens. And particularly if it's not this year. And it's not if this is an, you know, a, a quote unquote normal season again, but you know, with Farley and Bateman and Parson and now Rousseau out, it's going to be interesting to see where they land wise. And like Jake said, Rousseau is the more interesting one because he really has one year as a starter and he's very toolsy. Uh, the guys in the draft network are really high on him. He's number seven on the TDN top 100 big board that just came out. But there is, there are a little bit more question marks about him just because there's less tape on him than the other top, the other three top guys that have come out. So it would be interesting to see, uh, what's going to happen there. But uh, I, I'm intrigued more about seeing some of the other guys that might make a move. And I think the big name that we're all kind of waiting for to see what happens would be Trey Lance for me. Because I don't know if SCS is going to play. We just saw yeah. as of the recording of this podcast, the Big Sky, it's not the division that Trey Lance plays in, but the Big Sky is not going to play this year. Um, he, I believe, believe he's in Missouri Valley is where, where North Dakota State is. I'll be interested to see what happens with him because that's somebody that we've already lost the power five game that was going to be on the schedule, which was the thing at the game everyone was circling to see, okay, not only coming back for year two, let's see what happens when that turnover luck doesn't bounce your way. Like it did last year, when you had zero interceptions. Let's see what happens when teams start to adjust to you. You start to have to do a little bit more. And let's see what happens when the competition ramps up its level. We're not going to see that this year, regardless from him, the growth of whether the Missouri Valley conference plays or not. What if he doesn't play? What if they don't play at all? And what if he goes into the draft based on one year of FCS tape? I don't know what to think about a guy that was projected by us to go in the top 10. I, I, that, that would be a fact. Again, it hasn't happened yet. It might not happen, but that would be a fascinating case. So uh, it, it's going to be very interesting. These weird times are going to be uh, create some weird draft scenarios. And uh, we talked a little bit about it in, in the Slack channel on, on our group Slack, but this would have been a hell of a year for a supplemental draft. They would have created yeah. absolute chaos uh, in the NFL if they had a supplemental draft this year. A absolutely. Look, there's a lot there, Jamie. Um, look, Nick Bosa is the best argument. He got hurt early and then just said, I'm done. We're shutting it down. Went to rookie of the year superstar. Uh, the defensive guys are going to project pretty easy. Like we talked about before, you miss on quarterbacks all the time. 
I don't – Trey Lance is going to be the third, maybe fourth quarterback taken in this draft regardless. If they don't play, he's coming out. But he's not going to choose to come out and not play if, if they play. That would be, that would be crazy. Because to me, if I'm going to change hats and put my GM coaching hat on, if you're talking about a quarterback, just the leader of a school, the chance to win another national championship, I, I question a lot of things about you that I'm not seeing on film. That's like we got to sit down and talk. you got to explain this one to me. If I'm going to take my franchise's first pick and make you the franchise superstar – as a yeah. quarterback. Jadavia Clowney, we knew was going to be a freak in high school. If you ever saw his high school tape, <laughs> dude, there was – he didn't have to play at South Carolina. He just needed to be out for three years, and he would have been a first-round pick. Maybe not the first overall pick. But uh, – so the defensive guys project. You're going so much more on potential athleticism. They can flash once or twice, and you go, that's what's in them, and teams are going to take them. Quarterback is so much more than that. He's still going to be a first-round pick, but he's not going to be the top – not going to be one of the first two guys that goes anyway regardless if he plays plays great and doesn't throw a pick again I don't think he's going to jump Justin Fields or, or Trevor Lawrence so we'll see I mean look I, I've said that all along this could be the end of the NCAA as we know it it could be a big transition as the NCAA as we know it it might be more of a basketball now football guys aren't going to be ready you, you still almost need three but they might lower it to two because certain guys could jump after two years they could go Mississippi junior college and jump you know straight in uh, some of that stuff could change. And I think there will be some changes to this. But if there's a normal college football season next year, I, I don't see guys skipping that year to come sit out unless they're a guaranteed top five pick, which nobody is anymore, guys. Yeah, that's the, that's nobody the tough is. part. Yeah. Joe Burrow wasn't a top five, five round pick going into last I season. Know. He's the first overall yeah. pick. There's still a reason college football exists. The love of the game. Mm -hmm. I, if you're going to skip a year, in a normal year to me, we got to sit down and talk at any position, but especially quarterback. Yeah, quarterback's a different – you're evaluating so much more, right? You're and just so putting much so much more on them. You take a quarterback in the first round, that is your franchise for 10 years. That's the face of your franchise. You can't bust those picks. People yeah. do all the time, but there's so much more that needs to go into that. Yeah. Yeah, and all the tangibles you talked about, you're, you're a leader. You're, you're an extra coach. You're not, you know – Yes, yeah, so if you have a leader on your team that happens to be a running back, that's awesome. But that's not expected of them. You know, you, you, don't, you don't draft the running back, even if you take the running back third overall, you're second overall. You know, you don't, the Giants aren't taking Saquon Barkley for his leadership skill. And that's not and saying anything when, good, bad, or different. It's, just, right. it's a different no, position. You, we're going to hand you the rock. Barry Sanders never yeah. said a word. He's the greatest of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Quarterbacks, even with the more athletic guys that are running around, dual threat, whatever you want to call them, there's still a lot less chance of getting hurt. There's no, like, linebackers, pass rushers, corners. You're putting yourself in a lot different category on blowing something out getting hurt than a quarterback is. Even the guys that run, go slide. Learn, like, develop some stuff. Yeah. You protect yourself a little more. There's nothing wrong with that. If you just said I'm not going to play. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I don't know. I would really, really question somebody that did that. Yeah, it'll be – we'll be paying very close attention to that at the Draft Network. So, a good thing for our listeners to go check out. We've got scouting reports that – the guys, like I said earlier, spent a hell of a lot of time this this offseason really working on and getting prepared. And quite frankly, we were prepared for this moment. Uh, we were prepared to, to watch kind of some of these players make these decisions and choose to come out um, because they have talked to certain people that are telling them, guess what? You're going to be a guy that goes in the first round and you don't need this season no matter what. And that list is very small, though. I will say that list is pretty small. And as Jake said, it's, it's very hard to have guarantees around anything, but especially in sports, because you saw Joe Burrow 
last season is a perfect example of somebody who came in and had an all-time season. And all we heard about in the offseason ahead of that was about Tua. And who was the number one overall draft pick, right? And it's that, that can be any person, any time. It's been like six years in a row that the guy that started the season as the number one quarterback doesn't end up being the number one quarterback taken. It happens all the time. Now, if you put a gun to my head right now and told me to guess who's going to be the number one overall pick, no matter what I'm saying, Trevor Lawrence, and it's not close. Okay, I get that. But it's, that doesn't mean that when we get to April, that actually happens because this is what sports, this is why we love sports because there's no guarantees and everything that happens and, and everything that evolves. And Justin Fields came out today. He's projected to be a top guy, said he's playing. He's a guy that's going to play. You know, here's no here's the other thing I see when we talk about this guy. It's like the NFL combine is kind of the final prove it to me. But yes. These guys have been doing combine since they were freshmen, sophomores in high school. You know, we've, we've got legit – you've got the video. You can clock it again. You've you got legit times. I mean, if, if Rousseau is, you know, 6'5", 265, and he ran last year for the scouts before he came out, and it was a good time, and you've got all the measurables, you already know. The combine's like the final – prove it to me with everybody watching it's not really like that's the stuff that's already done it doesn't really matter so if the tape is there size and speed there it's the guys that are like Jalen Rager perfect example undersized fast didn't run as fast as the combine as he thought he was going to run he didn't run and didn't back it up at his pro day but had phenomenal film he needed that extra year but he's a tweener on the size T Higgins didn't need to play last year he would have been a first round pick and he wasn't a first round pick this year right I, there's guys with the, the measurables that are there, but that extra year film could help a lot of guys. I, I don't think yeah. this is going to be a trend. And if it is, I think you got a lot of guys making a lot of mistakes, chasing money that may or may not come. Well, we'll see what happens, right? This will be a testament to that. Cause we got, there'll uh, be a lot more guys this year. Oh yeah. I, I and, guarantee and, you there's a bunch more for camp. Yeah. And, and these college are, camps are done. of course. And these are, these are, you know, different times, different set of circumstances, but uh, it will be very interesting if we get to this point next year, right? And we're discussing, we're going over it, and we're going, yeah, all those guys we talked about being projected first-round picks, you know, maybe a couple of them fell a little further than they wanted to or didn't end up in the position that they wanted to be, and they probably needed to be able to go play a college football season, right? I and will so- say this, too. I think you will see some of the Nick Bosa guys get hurt in camp, get hurt in week one or week two, and go – I'm done. How would you like to be the coaches on those staffs? Yeah, it's, it's putting everybody in a tough position. I think everybody always puts everything in like a one track lens, right? And they're looking at it. This is only one way to view everything. And there's just so many variables and there's so many different people to look at it from an empathy standpoint of being the coach, being the GM, being the, they're, they're just, there's so many different lenses to look at this from. And that's why I just keep telling people like, I know you think that this is the right answer, but there's not really a right answer. Like there's yeah, I mean, a lot of right answers for, for you, but that might not be the right answer for somebody else. And let me ask you guys a question with the college stuff. Okay. The NFL stuff, I'm not judging anybody, man. Like Tredavious White, if you wanted to go because your, your girl's granddad died, of, like, I get that. you got families, you got kids. Does this college thing not feel like an excuse to stay healthy, not to have to go to class that you're not going to graduate anyway. It feels like some guys are taking advantage of like, you know, I got it out here. I'm just going to go. I'm, and I don't blame them for that either. I'm not judging either way, but it's a college thing. And I think we're going to get more of it. I think it feels more like that. And they're using this as an excuse than the, the NFL guys saying, I just had a baby. Dante Hightower's giving up $8 million. Yeah. I, it's, I'm not, that's, 
do take care of your family. But like, to me, the college thing feels a little, little loophole. You're, you're giving up less as a college player than the NFL. I think that that's as simple. I think there's more, for the most part, and again, every player's different, but there's more incentive, I think. There's more benefit in general to a college player like, a, you know, Roussel or Farley or these guys sitting out than an NFL player. Like, there, there's some tangible benefit of, yeah, I'm sure they would love to play. I'm sure they'd love to be out there. But there's also, like, from a pure financial, what the career standpoint could look like, there's a benefit for them to say, you know, I'm not playing this year. And if, given everything else that's going on, I don't blame it at all. I'm not sure. I, if, if I was in their position, I'd probably do the same thing. Do um, we have clarification yeah. on the rules? So if they say they're opting out and entering the draft, they can't go back if they change their mind, right? I it, am does assuming. It fall, does it I, fall under the normal I'm declaring rules? I'm assuming I, I think, so. I think it is, but a lot of these guys are opting out and not necessarily declaring it. Like, Rousseau is not declared for the draft yet. Okay, because uh, so here's, what, here's what it brings in, guys. You're talking about yeah. – I mean, I was a college athlete. You're broke. I mean, in my day, we made like 660 bucks a month. I had to pay for everything. Well, they take that away when you opt out. Oh, yeah. Now, are they opting out and they're going to let them go to class? That's, are they opting that's, out of school? See, because that's how, Here's the other thing. You're bringing in agents. One. Because right, like Michigan State's, what was it, uh, a Penasek or I can't, I'm pronouncing his name wrong, Jacob Penasek, he's opting out, he's redshirting this year. Okay. He's coming so that, back for next year. Like there are some guys that are doing that. So he's I'm going to class year, and staying on scholarship back. and working out with whatever. Yeah, and coming back for a senior the year. The guys that are declaring, now you're bringing in agents. So agents will yeah. pay for your EOS, your six weeks of combine prep, your food. Who's paying for this for six months? If you're bringing agents in, these guys got to go in the first round and they want to, they want to skip the signing bonus and the great combine and staying healthy. And they want to get a couple hundred grand up front. They want to buy mom a car. They want to buy themselves. You're bringing all that in to guys are going to see that on those teams. They got to be really careful with what they let happen here. Or you will start seeing some of this stuff, but it's going to bite somebody in the ass, whether it's the agent, the player, whatever. But it's six months. If you're used to having a scholarship check and a place to go work out. And what if the school, the school says, no, if you're opting out and you're done, you're going to the draft. We don't want you around our guys. I assume, my assumption is, right, there's a couple different categories here. So if you're redshirting, like Jamie said, with Michigan State, you're obviously staying on campus. You're staying a part of, you're just, you're choosing not to play football this season. That's okay, right? The words, they keep using the words opting out, but I don't understand why we're using this vernacular for collegiate athletes because there's no, they're not on a contract like the NFL. They're not opting out like of a contract that exists like they well, do in the NFL. that's why I'm asking because opt yeah, out because says I'm leaving my damn scholarship. I'm out. See, Peace. That's exactly right. So when I read that, I look at this and I go, okay, if you're quote unquote opting out, even though you're not under a contract, you're in the scholarship. That means your scholarship is now null and void, right? You're no longer a scholarship athlete. That means you don't get to stay on campus. You're not being fed on campus. You're not working out on campus. You're not, you don't have a scholarship because in theory, if they have a scholarship open up, they should be able to then use that scholarship to give to, let's say a walk-on athlete that's already on the team. So that is, that is how I view that. If you're saying that now, declaring there's already two i can't remember of the two of the three in our top 10 two of them already have agents so that's you're declared yeah, you're all the way in, you're off campus you're going to work out you're living at home you're doing whatever the hell you're doing but the the language is is really tough for me because i'm watching it 
they're reporting it like the NFL, but it's not the NFL. It's it, it's different, and there's so many different variables here for sure. It's lazy reporting, to say the least. Yeah, yes. that's the key distinction here. For me, it's whether or not they declare for the NFL draft or not. That is the line because to me, right now, if a player says, I don't feel safe playing this year, but I want to come back, the school's not going to take a scholarship away because they will be eviscerated in oh, the media yeah. if they did that. Yeah, so right. the line here, especially if it's a high-profile player, which is one they yeah. wouldn't do it anyways for a high-profile player because we know how this works. But, but in that scenario, like they're not taking – if Rousseau says, I'm going to play next year, they're not taking a scholarship away. So, no, but they to paid me, enough to get line. him in the first place. They couldn't Exactly. Do that. They ain't going anywhere. We know how this works. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, – the line to me is whether they declare or not. And that's just something that, we, that you just have to know. Are they hiring an agent? Are they declaring? Or do we not know yet? And a lot of times it might be they're not sure. A lot of times it's – we're finding this out because, I mean, we found out we started today because he texted his coach during a press conference and he happened to be in front of the media when he got the message. So that's the kind of line to wait and see because it's almost like the, it's almost like these NBA drafts of like, did they hire an agent yet or did they not? Did they declare for the draft and hire an agent or did they just declare for the draft? In this case, did they opt out and hire an agent or just opt out? Because there's that, that line there between where's the point of no return? And right now you have to see which guys have crossed that point and which guys still have that option. Yeah, all these guys that are big name guys, they're not coming back. They just uh, haven't. It's lazy no, reporting. No, they just no haven't reason, told no us to what what the what the deal is. Yeah. No, these the the guys that. But that's that's why this conversation is so so complex, right? It's not the NFL. There's so many more variables. There's so much more like uh, if this then that, right? Like all these things with like the scholarships and where they're living and all these things. And I'm going, okay, like this is a lot to think about if you're a collegiate athlete. Um, I, I, can, I can tell you as somebody who at Nebraska, you used to be able, you know, to be able to eat at the training table, which is where all the athletes eat. So they used to let the regular students, the peons eat at the student, uh, eat where the athletes eat. Now, they get to eat there once a week because it's so much better than where the students get to eat. And mm -hmm. trust me, you're probably not going to have that unless you are a multimillionaire with a chef living at home, because that, that experience is, is so, and that's, listen, Nebraska is not the only place like that. Alabama, Clemson, LSU, all the SC, all the big 10 schools. They're the major programs. You're, yeah. you're living in a, in a totally different environment than most people grew up. And you have access to things that most people do not have access to. So there's just, there's a lot to think about. And it's, this is a weird time for a lot of reasons. Uh, so if you've hired an agent and opted out and, and declared, you could take, you could take, um, if you have a good agent, you should be already doing commercials and oh, yeah. endorsement deals. Absolutely. Marketing deals uh, for sure. Stuff, it's stuff that's being looked into for sure. I mean, uh, across yeah. the board. Uh, I mean, yep. so it, it, this is very much a gray area. I mean, it yep. really is. Well, but, as usual, the NCAA was not prepared to handle anything uh, well, throwing something like this. So, yeah. See, luckily, uh, I never had this problem because I cut from my freshman high school team, so uh, I never had to worry about any of this uh, any of this fun stuff. <laughs> I never had to worry about it either. <laughs> there was oh, no leaving funny. school early for me. That's that's funny. That's good stuff. All right, guys. Uh, final thoughts before we jump to the Will Compton interview. Any final thoughts here? I'm glad the deadline's over. The opting out stuff's over. The guys that are in are in. Camp is progressing, even though it's, you know, working out in shorts. Next week, I actually start some football stuff. Teams are going to start looking like they're coming together. Uh, and, I, you know, the coaching staffs are trying to get their teams ready for week one. So now that they've got a lot more of this stuff behind us, I think next week's going to actually start feeling. They keep saying they're in camp. It doesn't feel like that. Nobody's got a helmet on. 
Yeah. But I think next week's going to start feeling like that. That's exciting stuff. Jamie, your final thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to uh, getting some actual football. We're starting to see some, some pictures from camp, some video from camp. I'm just, I'm just ready for us to get closer to the season. Uh, we've been hopeful this whole time and just excited to get things rolling. Yeah. Uh, my final thoughts here before you listen to Will Compton's interview is if you haven't seen the Gronkowski photos, you should go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Twitter account because they're proof that Gronk, in fact, is not any smaller than he was before. Dude is Guess a his weight. Monster. I bet you're wrong. Yeah, he's he's big dog status, and you can tell in that photo that looks like he ripped apart the catapult thing that he's supposed to be wearing. That's like kind of half torn, and you're like, yeah, dude. I don't know that they make one that fits whatever body size you have because, good lord, he's just a specimen. There's a difference in lean and skinny. He is lean and gigantic. Yeah, and definitely not skinny. No, I would never categorize him as skinny. Uh, that is for sure. Well, listen, thanks for listening to this part of the podcast. I hope you stay tuned. Will Compton's interview was unbelievable. So listen to listen to that podcast and we hope you guys enjoy. All right, special guest joining us today. Uh, he's, he's known for a lot of reasons, right? He's got a really cool podcast called Bustin' with the Boys on Barstool Sports with him and Taylor Luan. He's a former Husker superstar and most importantly, he's an old member of the Harper Shram Smith dorm crew back at Nebraska. So that's his, definitely his claim to fame. Uh, but having, having gritty NFL player Will Compton on the show, Will, it's good to see you, man. I'm, I'm happy you're joining us. Dude, isn't it crazy? The first week of HSS, me, you, and Spano are in the yep. dorm room. Which one were we in? Which, was it Shram? Shram. 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 Yep. Fourth floor. Yep. And yep. – uh, Paige always wanted to play video games and stuff. Like she was always like the she was always like the tomboy of the crew. But now here we are. And you got a podcast. I got a podcast. It's it's just crazy how it all works. And shout out Blake Lawrence too, because he's obviously a a very yeah. close friend of ours as well. Yeah, he's uh, he's very jealous. I talked to him last night ahead of it, and he's like, "Hang on a second, you're having Compton on. Can I come on?" I'm like, "Bro, <laughs> no. Like, you do your thing with open doors. We don't need to turn yeah. this into a whole Husker podcast." He's like, "No, we can get Levante on. We get." I'm like, "Yeah, man. We no get doubt. The crew on. We, we get, get the, the whole crew. crew. Yeah, yeah, the whole crew." But uh, nah. want want to kick things off with some Husker talk before we turn this into a whole Husker podcast, right? Because there's tons of stuff to get into, but we got to talk about the change in the schedule and what what the schedule looks like now. I saw you tweeting at Big Cat already, letting him know Wisconsin's (laughs) schedule looks light. I agree. The Husker schedule looks pretty rough. So when you saw the the new schedule, what are your thoughts on the the Huskers this upcoming season? It reminded me of my senior year when we had to play everybody – when we had to, when we got welcomed into the Big Ten, and it, that was a grind. And uh, yeah, man, like Wisconsin and Ohio State, it seems like the Big Ten is very biased on who they want to be the champion or who they at least want to be playing in the championship game. Uh, but the Huskers got a tough schedule. I mean, we got to go through everybody, and we're already like not. We don't. It's not like we're in that good a shape either. We've been taking a lot of heat. Like we've been losing some guys. Coaching staff's taking some heat, um, but. It's uh, we we have a tough schedule. Are you uh, are you Team Scott? Are you all in on Scott and the and the new coaching staff? I am. Um, I am until okay. you know they prove until they prove me wrong, and it's not like they have to prove me right. But I'm on board uh, with Scott Frost and that that whole coaching staff. Um, we've been out there a couple times. They've done a great job with like the alumni and stuff, so they treated us well. 
Uh, and they seem like they're trying to change the culture, including alumni guys from the 90s. You know how Huskers are huge on bringing back the 90s all the time. But I feel like they're incorporating everybody very well. And it's just, you know, you got to put the product on the field. And it's always – the game is always performance-based. So as much as you like somebody, you definitely ho- – hopefully they perform. I'm obviously bleeding red all the time. But, yeah, I'm rooting for those guys. Yeah, I, I went full game day today. I went on game day. We wear red. I wore my Husker shirt and my, and my hat. I'm like, dude, I'm just going to pretend since I'm obviously more than likely not going to be able to be in the stands at Memorial Stadium this year. I'm just going to pretend like I'll have it all going on at home. But Jake, yeah, you I want to. you. Yeah, Jake, I want you to tell your Nebraska, Colorado story because it's fantastic and we won't make you feel old. We just want to hear the story. I'm going to make myself feel old telling the damn story. <laughs> <laughs> so I played against Scott Frost in 97, I think 97 or 98, played at UAB. We opened up there. It was awesome. Only team, I think, to rush for 100 yards against them that season, like mid-90s, they were loaded. It was awesome. Tom Osborne walking the sidelines, like you get goosebumps. But I go back to my first time ever there, right? Coach's kid. I grew up at Temple, which not exactly the greatest college atmosphere of all time. <laughs> yeah. After leaving Alabama, I was three. But I'm an NFL guy. I'm working for the Chiefs. I'm in junior high. And my buddy's uncle's got Nebraska season tickets. We're living in Kansas City. We drive up. And it is insane. It's like 35 degrees. It's sleet and cold. It's Halloween. Colorado's number one in the country. Nebraska's like, I don't know, 12, 13. We're sitting in the end zone after tailgating. Like I said, I'm an NFL dude. It's like this tailgate. This was awesome. The atmosphere is insane. 56 to 3, ass whooping, beat down. I got to literally get goosebumps telling the story. And as I'm telling Paige and Jamie the story, I go, damn, it was only seven years later I played there. But one of my favorite places of all time. <laughs> like, it, it does not get enough credit for that. Because I'm an SEC guy. Outside the SEC, there's only a few. But Nebraska is damn sure one of them. Oh, hey, I'm glad, I'm glad to have that kind of respect because everybody gets slept on. If you're not in SEC country, you know, everybody else kind of gets slept on. And I do. I agree with you 100%, even though I'm biased. But playing in Nebraska is just different, man. Like, the way the state – because it's all they have. Like, there's nothing to do yeah. out there besides go look at cows, like go pet cows or milk cows. Go, and other go than flip that, them, go, tip them. Yeah, yeah, tip them, flip them, whatever you do with them, dude. Uh, but other than that, it's just Nebraska football. So, people go crazy out there. And I always get pumped when everybody has, like – anybody who's visited, they usually have some Nebraska story because it's just a different experience. Yeah, corn on the left, cows on the right, and husband. That's right. Like it's, yeah. that's, that's all we got, but it's, it's, uh, it's obviously close to the heart. So it's good. It's good that Jake, he knows he's like, he always brings up the Husker stuff. I'm like, that's good, Jake. I like hearing, I like hearing it from other people. Cause I know I'm biased for my school, but yeah, for uh, simple math, that was like 1990. It's been, yeah. been a minute. But, dude, isn't it crazy but, when you bring up the 90s now, like how far away it actually is? Easy, oh. dude, easy. <laughs> I know, trust me, I know, I know, hey, I know, I'm sorry. Me and my boy TB12 came out the same year. That was a long time ago. <laughs> well, I want to talk to you about, I was going to say, I want to talk to you about busting with the boys. So you have a podcast, you and Taylor Luan. How did this whole thing come together? Because it's obviously blown up. You're on Barstool now. You guys started this while you guys were together and teammates, but walk us through how that all came together because I love that we've got more athletes, specifically NFL players, starting to think about alternative things to do other than just yes. be a football player, especially while you've got that audience that, that will be interested. So walk us through that. Yeah, I mean, you said it. There was um, – when I was kind of brainstorming it, and honestly, like back in 17, it's funny because I was looking at uh, one of my journals the other, like the other week. And I had written in their back on like in April, 2017, three years ago, 
and I had, I had like from the 2017 year when it was my last year on the football team that I referred to as the football team, but it was my last year with them. And I had a one-year goal. I had three-year and then a five-year. And in my three-year goals, it was have be the first active NFL player slash coach because I was always, a, you know, I've always wanted to be around the game of football for my life. So it was like be the first active player slash coach to have a podcast with one million downloads. And it was nuts looking at that because I looked at it the other week in July and it's three years later within that three-year goal. And I'm huge in the law of attraction. It wasn't something I specifically followed and tried to make sure I had this within three years. But looking back on it, it just gave me goosebumps because it just reaffirms like how, how important it is for myself to write things down. But how the podcast came about, it was, I was, it was the year and it was 18 when I was with the Titans. And they drafted Rashawn Evans in the first round. And I'd sign there kind of like, uh, hey, you're going to compete to play. You're, you're, gonna, you're, you're definitely on the roster uh, contract and stuff. And then when Rashawn got drafted in the first round, your heart kind of drops like, son of a bitch. Like, you know, like just, another, just another piece of adversity or stepping stone that I'm going to have to try and get over because I'm now like 27, 28. Like I'm getting up there. Like, and I only signed a one-year deal. And it was kind of one of those situations. Like as a player, you sign a one-year deal so you can kind of prove it and then try and go back to the market and stuff like that. But when Rashawn got drafted, I was kind of like, damn. And so that year, you know, fortunately for the team, no one got injured. Unfortunately for me, no one got injured. So I never got an opportunity to play or show anything. So I was kind of a backup and special teams guy that whole year. Had a great year. The whole for the boys thing started. Had it, One of my favorite locker rooms to be that I have ever been in is the Tennessee Titans locker room. And um, toward the end of the year, you know, when I would come home and stuff, I would dabble and study in either real estate or what kind of transitions are going to be. Because I've just always been in the mindset that I've got to plan for the next thing. Always got to be in that mindset. And I was always, the podcast was just always in my mind. I never understood why I would pull the trigger. And it's definitely because I was insecure or just not confident enough to like pull the trigger because you always care about what everybody else might think, especially like teammates and stuff, because you never want you know, you never want a coach or anybody to think you're focused on something else when you're playing football. So I just always dealt with that. And I had a couple of my teammates, Derek Morgan and Logan Ryan specifically, who I can remember, who them as peers was like, hey, comp, like, you should have a podcast. Like, I don't know, I don't know why you don't have a podcast yet. And that was when something that clicked for me. I was like, man, I need to stop being nervous to do this and just do it. And uh, my fiance, she always told me how to do it. I had friends back home that would kind of push me and be like, man, just do it. Like, just get involved. Then Taylor was like, hey, yeah, like, why not plan for it? And so I just started vision boarding what I wanted the podcast to look like, uh, grabbing inspiration from everywhere else because, you know, success leaves clues. And I was always like into Joe Rogan, um, the fighter and the kid. Um, ben Greenfield for performance and nutrition and recovery and stuff like that. So I've, I've always loved podcasting. So I just started putting it together toward the end of the year because I was thinking in my head, I'm 29. I'm going without a whole lot of film back into the market. Um, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. Like in my mind, I knew I was going to be a, a minimum no signing bonus cat because I have an undrafted pedigree. So you got to be self-aware enough to understand what's probably going to happen no matter how much, how good I think I actually am. Um, so I just started to plan for that because I wanted to be in a situation to where if I could create the podcast and it got some traction to where I, my attention would be off of being stressed about ball and potentially NFL being over for me, um, having the grind to go from a 90 man roster to make a 53 
And so I just focused on building the podcast. Taylor, I did a radio show in like December that year with the Titans. Taylor was like, hey, are you really going to do this thing? I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'll do it with you. And it was kind of like, oh, man, one of your best friends are, is choosing to do this with you. It's going to make it so much easier because I got him with me now. I don't have to like worry and think because I just overthink constantly all the time. And um, so I just started putting it together in the early, in early 2019. And then when Taylor got back for OTAs, you know, I had gotten all the equipment. We had interviewed some production people and I had started putting together what I wanted our social to look like. Um, how I wanted everything to kind of look. Now the branding kind of just came after the fact because it, initially I wanted it to be something around like wolves because I'm obsessed with wolves. And uh, we found this bus and one of the, our production guys, we named, his name's Juice, his nickname's Juice, shout out Juice. He was like, hey, do you think you'd be into buying this abandoned bus? And I'm always like, start it no until we find a yes. I'm like, no, this is a terrible idea. Like, are we gonna be able to get equipment on it? It was a busted, like, the, it was like, you've seen pictures and the inside yeah. looked the same. There's wasp nests, there's all these stickers, there's um, the uh, seats were adjusted everywhere. It just looked terrible. It, it couldn't run, it still doesn't run. And it was just sitting behind this commercial space, like in a, in just in a gravel parking lot. And I was like, no, this is a, this is a terrible idea. I was like, but, I, and I'm already scared because Taylor's going to see this and he's going to want this. And sure enough, dude, Taylor saw it. And he's like, we for sure have to have this. Like, dude, what do you think? And I was like, no, we definitely shouldn't. He's like, how about I'll, I'll deck it out. Like I'll put, um, I'll gut it and stuff. You can buy the furniture and decorate it. And I'll do all the like cosmetic stuff inside. And if, it doesn't work and you don't like it, I'll just keep it in my backyard because I think this thing is awesome. I was like, all right, let's try it. He gave these guys, he gave these contractors like three weeks, I think, two, two to three weeks to like get this thing and get it right. And these dudes did within a certain budget. And we just started shooting. We started, we did like, we backlogged like five episodes. We dabbled with what we wanted to be like because you had two personalities. And you guys know like the first pod we actually did was atrocious. Like we sat there and we're like, we're like, Hey, it's kind of hard to think with a mic in your hand and like pretend, pretend that you're just going to be casual and everything's going to come to you. So we had to mess with it a couple of times. And then we had Delaney on. He was our first one. Coach Arthur Smith, the OC with the Titans, Rich Froning. We had a good few guests lined up and we did about five before we finally dropped one. And all, we were nervous the entire time, but we started dropping them. I want to say pro football talk might have, uh, wrote about the very first one about NFL player almost died, thinks he almost dies from getting an IV. And I was like, holy shit, this is not the direction. That, <laughs> this is not how we wanted to start because I was a free agent at the time. And um, I was like choosing to tell teams no to tryouts because teams would want to bring me in the tryout. And then, hey, if he does want the tryout, we'll put him on the 90. And I was choosing to say no because I was just so obsessed and, and I dove in on this uh, concept because I was like, listen, if I'm going to get picked up this year, every coach who whose radar I'm on, they probably know what I already bring to the table. Like all the intangible bullshit that we hear about, like all the toughness stuff, like just all the stuff that like, he's going to be good in the locker room, this, that, and the other. He's smart. He'll probably pick it up fast, depending on who they call and that, hey, how's Will Compton? So whoever was going to bring me on, I'm just, I'm placing a bet that whenever I get brought in, when a linebacker gets injured, because the NFL injury rate is 100%, that people are going to know what they're kind of getting. So there was no need for me to go and try to do it. So I was just going to bet on the long game um, with getting in late in training camp to try and skip all the football stuff. So I was just diving in on this project and it started to take, to take off, man. And it was, uh, we were gripping the seats for a minute and, you know, <laughs> trying not to make Vrabel mad because I was trying not to mess with the Titans, even though I'm super close with them. 
like, hey, Bray, like, hey, I apologize for these uh, <laughs> reports coming out. He's like, listen, just know that anything you say, they can take and put it as a headline. And so it just, it's been what it is, man. I know I just went on a huge, long tangent story, but I feel like it's all very relevant. I feel like it makes it better. I love it, man. So you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, one of my follow-up questions was going to be, I mean, hopefully you play another five years, but the NFL, right. the NFL stands for not for long and it takes when it wants to take, right? So I talked to so many guys, we've already established how old I am of like, <laughs> what do you do when it's done? So it sounds like you're way ahead of the game on thinking ahead of so many guys get stuck in that six months to a year of when it's done, the sacrifice, everything it takes to get there and it ends. What the hell do I do next? Right? Like it, that's a hard transition. So it's awesome to hear. Yeah. You've already kind of built it and dove into it. I mean, is this going to be kind of what you're thinking the, the, the full-time gig to, to roll with? Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully it, not anytime soon. Right. But yeah. right, right, right. Like, hopefully, you know, I'm able to continue to play football and uh, do that thing, but you're right. Like, in, in my mind, like when you sit in the sauna, the cold tub, and you're sitting around the locker room and you're having these deeper conversations with guys surrounding football, what guys are doing off the field, and this and that, you put so much into the game. And me personally, like I obsess in everything I do. So I'm always like, uh, you just always want to be the best. No matter if guys understand where they're at, they always want to like, everybody's got that chip, like that ego to them that they want to be super successful in what they're doing. So you put so much into the game. And when the game is done with you, like, there's no – it's not like them letting you know ahead of time, like, it's coming to an end. Like, it just stops. And if you're so obsessed with that one thing and you just – you've given everything for it and you love it, you're loving a game that can't really love you back. And when it does end, you know, I feel like guys get in a weird headspace, or they can. Like, me, when I was on the Titans that year, like, I wasn't in a bad headspace, but I was in, like, a realization headspace, like, hey – you got to start figuring out something because you are getting older. Like you can't like just pretend you're going to play this game forever. And I always say the joke, like when you're playing, because I always tell younger guys, when you're playing, your jokes are funnier, you're better looking and you can shake about any hand you want to because you're playing. So you need to take advantage and use the platform now while you're still quote unquote relevant and um, try to do something with it. Try and figure out like what your passions are outside of it because the game does end, unfortunately, and you got to figure out your pivot. And right now, yeah, it, I'm definitely brainstorming all the time every day. Like I'm not in a training camp right now, so I'm all I do is think about, you know, as I train and stay in shape, what can I be doing to build the brand with bussing? How can we branch off and do different things? So, you know, I'm always I'm always in the think tank. Yeah, former player definitely doesn't have the same ring as I play for the Titans, right? Right, <laughs> right. It exactly. doesn't carry the it same weight does for sure. It, man. It's, no. It just doesn't. Like, the minute it's over and you become an ex-NFL player, like, I used to play. Like, it just – it seems like you're trying a little more. Whether or not that's the case, like, it's probably not the case, but it just, it just comes off different. It just is. It does. Do, do you have aspirations? Like, the podcast world has changed so much now. And as you can probably see, because we're all here on Zoom right now, there's now these video components and there's so many things that, that Barstool and other podcasts do. It's kind of a golden era for athletes getting into TV, getting into video shows. Is that something you aspire to do as well at some point down the line where you take it beyond just an audio show and maybe being an analyst on TV or something beyond that? Um, well, you know, if the conversations were there and the opportunities were there, I don't think you ever close a door on anything, but like me personally, you definitely, you see this landscape of what the internet's becoming, the video content and stuff. And 
Um, we're definitely going to do things that are just more than our specific podcast. Like uh, we're, you know, we're trying to brainstorm a few different, I- a few different ideas. And I think like, you know, I don't know if I would see myself as a, a full on like analyst, like suit and tie being an analyst. Like I think um, understanding that the podcast is doing what it's doing and owning our intellectual property with it, knowing that we can continue to be our own boss. If I can stay in my own lane within our brand and do different things and I can continue to stay just myself without anybody over the top, like pointing down and saying, Hey, here's what you're going to do. Yeah. Here's where you got to be this and that. Um, I feel like there's a lot of power in that. And I, I want to continue to show and document and kind of show athletes and other guys that you, you can do this as well, because like, there's a lot of athletes now doing the content game. Tom, Tom Brady's one of them. He's huge. He's also a superstar. And I feel like I can be an example for guys who are kind of in a situation like myself to where they can um, get vulnerable enough, I guess, to take chances and start figuring out what they want to do off the field and not be nervous since they're not like a Tom Brady of the world or Patrick Mahomes, um, that they can do those things. But I guess myself, like, I don't know, man, I, I'm inspired a lot by Joe, the Joe Rogan's of the world. So I feel like if I can find a lane within myself and do that, then I want to keep doing that. If I can be a regular to you guys and regulars over here and there, yeah, for sure. I can just do my thing, then why not just do my thing? Listen, it's the uh, it's the unofficial official Husker network. We have this like sports network <laughs> in professional sports where we all take yeah. care of each other. So it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, Husker in automatic pipeline that exists. Uh, we'll get to that pipeline to Tampa Bay at the end of this podcast. Right, but we got it. We got I, I, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about your blog because Jamie just said, you know, what are some other things that you want to do potentially in media? And I read your article the other day for Barstool. And I really, I really liked it because it brings up a lot of the stuff we've been talking about on the podcast, which for the casual fan, they might not understand why preseason and, and training camp and all that matters to so many guys in the league. And what being a UDFA, what being a guy who maybe got drafted in the later rounds, what not having preseason is going to do to impact them. So I just wanted, I know you had the blog out already, but for our listeners, I'd love for you to discuss how big of an impact not having preseason is going to have on guys that are UDFAs? Because it's already a tough job to get a job in the NFL as an undrafted free agent. And this, this time around, it's, it's even harder. Yeah. I, I put in the, you know, I put in my blog too. Like if this was my rookie year, like I wouldn't have been sitting there writing the blog talking about my career at all, because you need those opportunities as an undrafted rookie. And it, it sucks, man. Like there's just no, way to sugarcoat like what it's going to do to an undrafted rookie and it's going to be extremely hard to get seen um fortunately they're expanding the practice squad so you know there's going to be some guys who do get extra looks and see stuff but you know if if you're a guy trying to make the team and you're an undrafted rookie coming into a, a world where no one really cares at all about who you are or what you've done in the past and you're not a draft pick um it's extremely hard to get noticed unless you're able to show uh, people during those preseason games so an example uh, is you know you can be a practice you can be a practice warrior all the time like you see guys who are practice warriors that make headlines that get written about and then they don't perform when they're out there during the big game um, because when you're out there during the during the game you know coaches and scripting plays for you you don't know that it's team run team pass seven on seven oh it's third down period right now to where you're working on those sets of plays in that period. So you're already able to anticipate what's going to happen. So it's okay. It's first down. We're probably going to get eight runs and two passes this, this whole script. 
and you're just going to have to guess which one's going to be the play action pass. And um, so when you're out there on the field, you don't have all those situations. So when you're performing well in those scenarios at practice, coaches can't wait to see those young cats go out there and actually execute when uh, the lights are on, the bullets are live. There's no coach out there calling timeout. They're stopping plays in the middle of motions to make sure guys get you can get lined up or communicate. Um, you can't come out after a couple plays. You're in the whole drive, so you have to you have to adapt and execute with urgency on the run. With you know a coach giving you a mic and you got to command the huddle, show them that you can lead a huddle, that you can get guys lined up. This is from my experience being a linebacker, and show coaches that they can have confidence in you that hey. Uh, young, the young Compton kid, he's out there like, you know, leading those guys, being loud, being demanding, communicating, um, doing all that stuff. So that's what coaches want to see from those young guys. That's what, you know, I feel like people miss out when they say there's no preseason. Like, yeah, there's benefits because it, the games are, I guess, boring. If you're a starter or me being a vet right now, like knowing there's no preseason or balls on me, I would be happy because I don't have to go and play. It's like, okay, well, what do we – what do we have to kind of show and put on film? It's mainly for those young guys who are trying to create those, you know, types of careers and situations that I've had that where they come up and they show out and then they go from the first game, coach moves them up a team and they get a shot uh, in, in game two when it means a little more. And then maybe they get with the twos or get to play in the second half during game three where it matters the most. And they're around, you know, playing against starters or second, second team guys. And they get to trust like, and stand on the table like, hey, let's go with this undrafted cat over this fifth rounder. Or, hey, let's go with this undrafted kid or this sixth rounder over this veteran who's already on the roster. So that's why it matters a lot to have those preseason games for those young guys. So that's why I hated seeing the preseason go. And, you know, for me personally, like I'm going to be a voice for the preseason because that is where I got to show up. So I love the game aspect because I was undrafted as well. But I, I bitch all the time that the last collective bargaining agreement, not, not this year, but the one before that, the players screwed up. They wanted more money. Owners said no, so they said, let's take practice time away. But they let the rookies stay at the complex for months with the coaches, right? And it was killing yeah. veterans, guys like yourself that played six, seven, eight years, but are going to cost a million when that rookie's going to cost $300,000 and they've yes. had their hands on him for three months. Talk about that, those three months before you get to the preseason games, right? Because you're exactly right. The coaches, they love that kid. They've spent time with that kid. Now they want to see him perform. Talk about from the draft up where there are no vets, right? They're there for mini camp or whatever else, but they, they wanted to not be at the complex, but they let free agents and rookies be there. I, to me, it killed a lot of veterans and it hurt the right. league. But talk about that experience because you went through it. I mean, that was kind of that's how for you For sure. And yeah, and that was always something we would argue about in those, at some of those meetings is like, hey, the, the veteran class is getting – is getting screwed now because we cost so much more than a rookie. So it's not like coaches get to choose at the end of the day, who's going to be on the roster over the GM or the owner and stuff, because they make the final call. And to them, it's just, it's a product and a bottom line thing. Like they don't understand like how much goes into it, but to your topic, um, it matters a lot. Like I, my first year I was on practice squad in the next year, I actually had to do rookie minicamp again. I was pissed. I hated it because I had to do rookie minicamp a second time around. And, um, but it was a blessing in disguise because I got to work coach Hazlitt, coach Kirk Olivadotti. They got to work more hands-on with me since they didn't draft a linebacker that year. Um, they were kind of telling me, Hey comp, you know, you can make the team, right? And in my head, I'm thinking, I know if I just had more opportunity, but they got to work with me hands-on one-on-one and then in the film room and stuff while the, while, like you said, the vets are out of the office. Um, so it's just crucial because they get to know those guys. 
you get more on tape. For me, when I had OTAs, the rookie minicamp and OTAs to go off of, during the summer, I basically just game-planned our offense. So from the scripts that um, Coach McVeigh and Coach Shanahan would run, I would try and understand every tendency they had in all of their periods to, to what they wanted to work on offensively because I knew being a third and fourth depth chart guy that those couple plays I got in practice had to be perfect. And I wanted to be like demonstrative in my communication to let them know I knew how to, you know, call formations, get guys lined up, you know, if a guy needed help with a responsibility or something, but also be loud in um, um, anticipating a play and being like, Hey, check for this. Hey, watch that. And then when it would unfold and happen, it's just like, Hey, you know, who's that kid or what's he, uh, you know, he seems to be on top of everything. So it matters a lot. And guys just didn't get that. All they've had is zoom meetings. Um, you can, you can implement and pretend like you're going to know the playbook and stuff as much as you want, but until you're out there lined up on cans first and then walk through and then actually jog through and then going fast, it's just a whole different ball game. So it, that's where guys are, unfortunately going to fall behind and you you are going to see the professionals of the world see who is actually a pro and see who retains information well because patience I think will be you know little to none with coaching staffs this year and along those same lines well what do you think the big picture what the quality of play is going to look like early in the season because we have seen teams like the Rams for example come out a little bit slowly because they never play their starters in the preseason do you think this is going to kind of be like a lead wide thing where there's going to be a couple of weeks where it's going to be pretty sloppy football compared to what we're used to? I, I mean, yeah, comparatively. Yes, I think so. I mean, I, it's just, it just, that's what kind of makes sense. If it's not sloppy football, then I feel like players will be out here saying, you know, Hey, we don't need this. We don't need that. Um, but I do think it's going to be sloppy. And like me, I think it's really going to be an opportunity for like, like I was saying, professionals, like the athletes themselves to show their true professional selves. And that's how some of those guys are going to set up, set themselves apart from the rest. And I also think it's going to be eye opening for coaching staffs and front offices, because it's going to be a year where there's a lot of uh, turnover, um, a lot of adversity, and you're going to see coaches lead in a way you're going to see who has commands of their locker room to kind of navigate them down these unknown paths so you're going to see who coaches really well. And I also think a spotlight's going to be on front offices too because you're going to figure out you're going to need depth in this in this, this year in particular because guys will test positive and have to quarantine. Hey, bring in a plug-and-play guy. Like, you're going to see front office guys try and put together rosters and hang on and do stuff and adapt as the year goes. So I think there's, you know, going to be pressure on everybody to kind of, you know, play good ball. Do you, my question to everybody is always, do you think there's going to be an asterisk this year next to the Super Bowl champion? Would you give a shit if your ring had an asterisk on it? Because I keep saying my dad damn sure ain't going to give a damn. If anybody calls it asterisk season, they're still going to call it Super Bowl. Like, I don't damn right. I don't give a damn. I'd take five of them. It's fine with me. Jake's already doing damage control because of their contenders. So he's he's, he's making sure. He's going to give a shit if number seven has an asterisk or not. I can tell you that. Yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. I was going to say, I knew, I knew where that was headed before it even, before you even got the question out because Jake's already prepared. Like, Hey man, we're a favorite over here. Like, I don't, I don't give a damn about how the season goes. That ring's going to come out all the same. I'm going to look at it. It's going to look real nice. Like I, I have to ask you, I teased it a little bit earlier, but uh, you know, we talked about Tampa Bay here and, and you're obviously uh, wanting to play. You got a lot of juice left in the tank. Where are some spots that you'd like to land? Because obviously, as your friend, 
I would, I just want to be like helping promote you. So I'll just play your agent here and I'm just be like, listen, NFL, we need my guy in the league because if you haven't been inspired by all the intangible conversation and him talking about how he leads as a linebacker and we know you need depth, <laughs> okay, where do you want to play, man? Because I got to be a proponent of pushing you into the league. Well, if you were my agent, you're doing a bad job already because you're trying to, you're trying to make me put myself in a box of certain cities. And if you've watched <laughs> my podcast at all, Jalen Ramsey alluded to Vegas and Nashville one time, and that made headlines before he was even out of Jacksonville. So <laughs> I, I am, I'm willing to play anywhere. Um, now, if we want to talk about Husker pipeline to Tampa Bay, you know, there's, there's some Huskers that are living down in Tampa Bay right now that I'm super close with. One in particular, Levante David, is who I played with and know very well. Very good friend of mine. Um, you that was know, a pretty good if, defense, by the way. It was pretty good defense. Yeah, that, I know. One, yes, he's probably he is one of the top linebackers in the league, without a doubt. Most slept on linebacker in the last decade. Uh, most good. underappreciated. I won't say most slept on overall, yes, but most underappreciated linebacker in the last decade. Uh, but you know. I'll call you Mr. Arians. If you want to make a phone call to your old man, like, hey, pop, man, I do, you know, I got a cat. I can confidently say, you know, if he's on your list, you know, maybe move him up a slot or two because he's ready to go. I might get him and Jason on, on a three-way call and, and make that one. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We're going to get it rolling. We're going to get it rolling. Speaking of that quickly, what did you think about Levante David's rank on, I mean, look, these, these NFL 100 lists are always meant to generate conversation and they're yeah. not the be all end all, but what did you think about his rank? Because Jake almost lost his mind on the <laughs> podcast uh, after it came out. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, like you said, they're, they're lists that, can, that they like to cause some controversy. Same with Madden. It's like Madden never has to truly market themselves because mm -hmm. they create so much turmoil between players that players do it for them, um, which is genius. But Obviously, Levante is not that 100-ranked player in the NFL. It, I'm just glad that he got on the list because he was not on there last year. It just, it just baffles me how this guy only has one Pro Bowl under his belt, and it's because he was an alternate. It's not because he was actually voted on. Um, so it, it just, you know, I, listen, I'm a big – I am a big Levante David guy, so I won't continue to spout off my love for Levante David. I do it all the time. Just follow me on social media and you'll see a Levante comment every now and then. But he truly is the most underappreciated player, linebacker, in the last decade. And I love when the Tampa Bay media puts together stats side by side with him and Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, and all the greats because this man is a machine, especially in the backfield, ball disruption, which is the most important thing. And it, it just – you know, Jake probably does a great job for him too, but I always text – I always – his name, his nickname is Boogie, so I always text Boogie yeah. and I let him know. I'm like, hey, man, I'm out here doing your work. I'm out here doing God's work for you right now. I know you don't have Twitter. I know you don't have Twitter, but we're going to blow you up this year. So don't worry. We're going to get you in that Pro Bowl. You got to love him for not having Twitter too. Look, if you take the blind study, like you just said, the Bucks do all the time. Bobby Wagner was 15th on that list, who I love, and is phenomenal. I'm not – this is no disrespect right. to him. They're 85 spots apart. Come on, man. I know. I know. If you put the and numbers the next to each other, what they do. do it's Dude, a, hey, it's I know. It's a, you're, you're, just, you're just at a loss of words, man. Yeah. But, like, if you, could, if you could focus on some of those stats and carry over because you played ball, you've been around ball your whole life. But the most important thing in football is the ball. And Levante, when it comes to ball disruption, you can check interceptions. You can check forced fumbles. You can check all that stuff. Getting your hands on balls. No, you know, not, not in that way. 
getting your hands on balls um, and getting in the backfield. I want to say there was one year where since they kept the tackle for loss stat, Levante, I think is, he was number one over like JJ Watt yeah. and tackles for loss, but the dude is just a machine and he just goes under the radar because he's not like myself out there on social media. He's not like these brand builders out there on social media. He's just like that Ed Reed, grow his, grow his hair out, get nappy, like not care what he looks like, show up, not say much and just ball dude. And he, it's just what he is. He's a baller. He was in Nebraska. Um, he we is now. The, we start the media campaign now for him. I'm in. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Avante, go saying. do your Let's thing. We'll, we'll carry the torch for you. Yes, yeah. we will do this for you, man. I was going to say, I'm, I'm all in on the Levante David to the Pro Bowl conversation because I've been, as watching him play in Nebraska and watching who he is as a professional in the NFL, is he's everything that Nebraska wants as a professional athlete who makes the transition. Yes. Like, he yes. does everything. He's by the book. He doesn't get in trouble. He's just, he is the true pro's pro. And then he's, yes. oh, by the way, top three in every statistical category that matters. Every right. single one, he's top three. Including, by the way, the only oh, thing yeah. more important than tackles for loss in the ball is playing every freaking Sunday. Also that. He plays hey, that's right. Every Sunday, no matter what. And like you said, the injury rate in the NFL is 100%. It's undefeated. Everybody's playing with something. He ain't – I'll call him out right now. Leonard Fournette. He ain't showing up every Sunday. Levante is showing up every Sunday and producing every Sunday. You got to give him his props for that, too. Dude, there's no doubt. There's no, now that we're building this allyship right here, like, we'll be able to play off each other on the internet, too. We're going to build this. He's going this year. Yeah. It's happening. The nice thing for us is that this guy who people know, you know, kind of well, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. And now there, now there seems to be a lot more coverage nationally of this football team. So somehow I think that Levante slash everybody else on that team is going to benefit from the fact that they're going to be on prime time all the time and they're going to have all this added benefit. So I think this is the perfect year to start this Levante David is underappreciated campaign because he is going to have the opportunity to shine bright in front of all the national audience and make sure that people know, because Florida, much like Arizona, where I live, kind of underappreciated sports markets because there's not, the media is not as big there. And then the fan bases are kind of a little bit less as, as good. I'm going to talk too much smack. It's not, it's not, it's not the same as it's at the we'll underscore sports page on Twitter, by the way. Listen, I, fight, I fight Arizonans all the time. I got three people on my block fighting Cubs flags, okay? And I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Like, it's yeah. just not the same. It's just not the same. It's very different. But I know you got a lunch to get to, so I'm going to end on this question. On this Tuesday's podcast, we did our bold takes, okay? Bold takes fantasy-wise and bold takes NFL-wise. Jake had a flaming hot take. Okay, his his take is that the Baltimore Ravens do not make the playoffs this season. Okay, that's his take. So I want one bold take that you believe in. Like he believes it and he he started talking us through it. And I was like, man, I can kind of get behind this I take. I can make an argument. It was a bold take. It was a bold take. Yes, yeah. It's supposed to be a bold take. Okay, it's I put bold, the qualifier yeah. out there. We need a bold take from Will as he as he, you know, ends his his appearance. Here man. Oh, yeah, I'm putting you take. on the spot. You know that. You are, yeah. man, because it's like, you know, there's no there's no win for me here. There's only a win to, like, for what, a tweet? Um, <laughs> first, let me ask why First, let me ask why you don't think the Ravens are going to make it. Do you think it's uh, their youth and stuff? 
and just how quickly they're going to have to get a season put together? I think the lack of pass rush defensive line, they didn't have any injuries on that defense last year could hurt them. The offense has to progress again. I think the lack of weapons will hurt them. I think Lamar is going to play phenomenal, uh, but he has to progress. The whole thing has to progress. I think the biggest reason is Ben Roethlisberger coming back to the Steelers. I think the Steelers are a more complete team. I love what the, the Cleveland Browns did in the offseason, the meat and potatoes of the right tackle, left tackle, three safeties, the stuff that makes a team good. And that they've all shut up other than OBJ, who I won't get off on that tangent right now. <laughs> They're going to be damn good. I just I, they, they, they had it together healthy last year. We just talked about it. Nobody stays healthy. And if they right. get a couple injuries here and there, Lamar has to play like Russell Wilson. I don't think, I don't think he can take him that. I mean, he can't yeah. take him that far. But it, it was a bold take. Back to see it. I respect it. I respect it. Since I'm on this podcast, here, here will be my take. <clears throat> the Saints are winning the NFC South. Yeah. <laughs> That's not oh, an extremely wow. bold take. I feel like that just creates some good little turmoil right it now. Is, for, I love it. Since we've hyped up Tampa Bay this whole pod, I'm just going to throw it out there and just go the other way and say they might they're, – they're, I'm going to say they're not even going to win the division. Okay. Wow. All right. And that's, be, that's just based on being in the, the New Orleans locker room for – 10 days, like 10 minutes last year <laughs> and, um, getting to experience that organization a little bit. Um, I, Hey, they're tough, man. And they, I look. think they do stuff the right way. I'm sure they do at Tampa too, but I'm just thinking that they're the king. You know, they get knocked off. You're not, I look, you're not going to find a bigger Sean Payton, Drew Brees fan than me. So like, I, 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 I love them. That's all. Awesome. Are you a bigger, are, are you a bigger, uh, Sean Payton, Drew Brees fan than you are, uh, your dad and Tom Brady? No. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm sure we can find a bigger yeah. – I'm sure we can Actually, find a bigger uh, Breeze Payton fan. No, I won't be the homer this. right now. I'll say, I'll say yes. They've got, what, 13 years of doing it together? Dad and Tom got three months. they got to prove it. Sean and, Drew got, damn, Sean and Drew got a ring. Hey, dude, so, I love – Until, dude, we, until love we get the asterisk ring – Until we get the asterisk <laughs> ring – yeah, I hey, got, make sure that. when you get that ring, like even put an asterisk on it just to troll. People. I won't get one. I'll, I'll get one left <laughs> to me and my dad's will, but I'll tell him yeah. like, on, the, on the inside. Put, put the asterisk on the inside. Yeah, tell him put the asterisk on it. Just put a picture of it out there. I love how you say it, Dad and Tom too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dad, Pops. Dad I, I, so good. I was gonna say I call him Pops, man. Like I ask yeah, him questions on the podium. It. I'm like, what's up, Pops? Uh, talk to us about this. He's 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 the best. So I'll do a little uh, negotiating after the show. See what we can make happen. I appreciate really, that, Miss really Agent digging, Page. Yeah, I'm really digging this Nebraska pipeline thing. Like really, Let's that's keep it going. Like I'm just gonna send him a clip. And the best thing is we got Jason Light, who's also a Husker guy, got the long lineage in Nebraska people. So I'm just gonna send him some highlight clips of back in the day. We'll be like, man, it was real nice watching Levante and Will play together. Just saying. Yeah, there just you saying. go. There you go. Pull up Michigan State playing. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send him that audio clip because if you're listening and you have kids out there, that is how you make a team. That is yeah. how you study in high school and in college, and that is how you become a good player. Listen to Will's two minutes on what his offseason was like of studying the offensive tendencies. Like, that's taking it to another level, dude. That is commendable. I love it. I'm dead serious. You've got kids that are wanting to be good. Listen to stuff like that. Follow guys that weren't first-round picks and what it took to have a damn good career. That shit matters. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate Fire. that, man. You well, know, if you guys do get time, you guys yeah. got to come to Nashville and we all got to chop it up on the bus. Dude, Done. we're in. Nashville's in all. Tell Taylor, I'm going to take you guys noodling and hog hunting in Alabama. <laughs> Hey, I'm no, I know he's in for that. Yeah, we no guns, down, knives man. only. Oh boy, that might That's be it. that might be the senior bowl experience that we've talked about doing, Jake. So we might Done. have to get we might have to get Will. I think he might have dropped off. 
but Will. You got, I got him too excited with the noodle in You got him too excited, but uh, we were really excited to have Will Compton on today. It was an awesome interview, and you guys got to check out all his stuff, Busting with the Boys. Look him up on Twitter, Will Compton. Uh, just one of my all-time favorite guys at Nebraska. And now I'm really glad everybody got to listen to him and, and hear why. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.